Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. It's real-life stories and sometimes PG-13. Real true faith is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. A.W. Tozer. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, catch good vibes, and be inspired by engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are united. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson. Hello, thank you for joining us. Today's episode is entitled True Strength Training. Anyone who knows me knows that I love movies. I was inspired as a kid by the Rocky movies. I would punch my laundry hamper pretending to be the die-hard underdog, training and taking on champions, slugging it out to win the belt. Sports heroes are inspiring, but with any form of hero worship, there's always a downside. In Rocky V, no, not the Russian one, the other one, the one where Rocky, now retired, takes on a student. He trains him up and brings him to the pinnacle of the sport, only to be stabbed in the back by his young apprentice, who chooses an opposing sleazy manager for fast money and fame. The student was played by the real-life professional boxer Tommy the Duke Morrison. Tommy's life tragically mirrored this movie, as he lived the wild life of an oversexed, hard-partying boxing star, until his career was cut short in his prime. He was diagnosed with the HIV virus. We have two stories today with similar themes. The star athlete that gains strength and popularity only to fall as the fast life landed a knockout blow. Our first story is from Rob Decker. He's a personal trainer from California. His story was featured on the Christian Broadcasting Network. He also co-authored the book called The Missing Peace, Spirituality. You can buy it on his website at robdeckerspeaks.com or search for it on Amazon. To see his inspiring life and his amazing feats of strength, follow him on Instagram at rob underscore decker. Or for more stories like this, visit cbn.com. I never really truly felt love or affection in my household. Uh, There was just way too much anger, uh, way too much uh, physical, emotional, mental conflict in the house. Growing up with abusive and sometimes absent parents, Rob Decker tried to cope any way he could. I started drinking at a pretty young age. I think I was about 15 years old. For me, it was just never a fun thing. It was an absolute escape from absolutely everything. While alcohol and eventually drugs helped him cover up his hurt and anger, It was sports and fitness that gave him what he really needed. The lack of affection, the lack of love, the lack of someone paying attention to me is probably why I really drifted toward fitness because in that industry, it's all about the me. You know, it's all about look at me. In the years following high school, Rob went through life with no direction or purpose. Life in my 20s was a huge blur. You know, I wasn't able to hold on to jobs too long. I think my true motivation was drink as much as I can, do as many drugs, have as much fun as I can. Uh, I was on a destructive path. It was basically like slow suicide. Meanwhile, he continued working out. That led to a number of relationships, but they were superficial and short-lived. I'd been in a couple relationships that were really, really good, but they weren't destructive enough for me. And so I destroyed those relationships and, and I hurt some really good people in the process. When he was almost 30, Rob met a girl and soon fell in love. But like all the others, it turned bad quickly. 
It was extremely destructive. There was nothing positive about it whatsoever. It was more of tearing each other down and and uh, there was nothing edifying about that relationship whatsoever. So her and I broke up uh, due to all the negativity in our relationship. Going through another breakup was devastating. And that's when one of my old coworkers, a friend of mine, had convinced me to go to a Bible study. And at this point, I'm like, why not? You know, I have nothing else going for me. This God thing might work. And this group of like 10 or 12 guys uh, asked me if I wanted salvation and if I wanted to accept the Lord. Absolutely. I just knew like something in my heart, something in my spirit kept telling me, this is the right decision. You know, you get this little tugging at you, like this is what you need to be doing. But weeks later, his ex-girlfriend came back. She called me up and told me that she wanted to see me and that she was sorry for everything that had ever happened between us and that she really wanted to work it out. And I was just drawn to her for whatever reason, you know, um, and it wasn't a healthy one. I turned my back on the Lord, knowing what was best for me to go back to what I was familiar with. Their relationship was as destructive as ever. Then, one night at her condo, they had another argument. This time, she went too far. She had called the cops and told the cops that I tried to, uh, I tried to, to rape her and I tried to kill her. And when those words came out of her mouth, she completely betrayed me and turned her back on me. You know, and that was, that was painful. I felt extremely betrayed and I felt extremely broken and hurt and very confused. Like it just didn't make sense to me whatsoever. Hopeless is probably the best word. I felt very hopeless. And in that moment, I just, I was like, I just can't do this anymore. This is not the life for me. Rob dove headfirst through a third story window. My foot clipped an awning and changed my fall and I ended up breaking my back and um, shattering my left arm, breaking my wrist and collapsing my left lung. And um, I just woke up on the ground with shallow breath and looking up at a broken window and asking God why. Like, why would you, why would you even let me live? I was in terrible, terrible, terrible pain. Recovering from seven surgeries on his back and arms, Rob had plenty of time to think about his life. You know, here I am, completely shattered, man. And um, I'm not going anywhere. I can't move. I, I, can't, I can't even feed myself. I believe that that was my one-on-one -on -one time with God. And he reminded me how just a couple months prior to me jumping out of the window, how I actually accepted him to be my Lord and Savior. And, and, and so here we are. Now we can have a relationship. All the, everything's out of the way now. Like, now it's just me and you. The girl eventually withdrew her allegations and disappeared from his life. As Rob recovered, his priority was getting to know God. My why questions to God were like, why would you let me live? Why would you let me experience this? I already had the troubled childhood. I didn't have a good relationship with my parents or my sister. Why? But I was never really mad because at the end of the day, like I still know that those are my choices. That I chose to drink and I chose to do drugs. I chose not to lean on him. I chose not to seek him out. Those were all my choices. And you know, he kept reassuring me like how great my life was gonna be. With God's help, Rob kicked his drug and alcohol problems. Today, he shares the love he found through Jesus Christ with his wife and son. He's also a personal trainer using lessons from his past to encourage people who feel their lives are hopeless. I was using my talents and my gifts and my charm 
for all the wrong things in this life. And I knew that God loved me and that he wanted me here and he wanted me for a greater purpose than what I was putting out there. If you earnestly seek him, he will help you. And I know that. You knock on that door and he's going to open it and he's going to bring you right in. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Come see us at thinktwicetv.com. Our next story is from a ministry called Forever Changed. They have produced numerous testimonies. They're really good. You definitely want to check those out. Find them online at foreverchanged.us or search for Forever Changed on YouTube. I always believed God existed. I never like opened my Bible or tried to see what he said on how to live my life. I just came up with my own conclusions based on what, what I saw, but I never really looked to him for guidance in my life. I went to college Buffalo State. I got recruited with one of my best friends from high school to play soccer. It's such a dark atmosphere at college. You see kids drinking, smoking, doing all types of drugs. Everyone's having sex with different partners and stuff and like it just sucked me in where things that I thought I wouldn't do or ways I wouldn't act. All of a sudden it just doesn't seem so bad anymore because it's the norm. Everybody's doing it so why can't I? Going into my sophomore year of college, I met this girl. She was, she was everything I ever wanted in a girl at that time in my life. So the moment our relationship got physical, everything just started going downhill for us. You know, we started arguing more, fighting more. Um, we were lying to each other about what we were doing behind each other's backs. And, and things were just really bad. And it wasn't like the same relationship that it was. I remember one day when things were really getting out of control and I realized I was like, I might be losing this girl. I actually opened my Bible and I looked at the index in the back of the Bible or whatever under sex and I remember reading just a statement that said the consequences of sexual sin are often devastating. And I closed my Bible and I was like, that's not happening to me. I'm gonna prove this wrong. I'm gonna be all right, we're gonna be all right. And then eventually one day she just, she, she met up with me and she just said, Steve, I'm not gonna see you anymore and I wanna start seeing another guy. And that killed me. You know, your friends tell you, you just gotta go out, you just gotta party, you just gotta drink and forget your problems and you just gotta meet another girl. So that's what I tried to do, I would go out just drinking three to four times a week with some of my friends and um, trying to forget my problems and, and the fact that I just lost my girlfriend. And it doesn't work, you know? It just beat me up more and made me hate who I was becoming even more. And I was just becoming more and more depressed and I, I had no appetite. I couldn't eat, you know, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, all right, I'll just focus on soccer and, and make that my focal point so I could forget all my problems, you know? and my third day of preseason, I'm running down the field and, and there's a pop in my leg and I tore my hamstring and I fell flat on my face, I remember on the field and I was just, I just remember like crying there and saying, God, you're taking soccer from me too? So I was mad, I said, God, how has how this all happened to me? I lost my girlfriend and I lost soccer. That was like, those are my identity, you know? Um, at the time, I was walking around thinking I was the man on campus because I had this pretty girl and I was playing soccer, you know, I thought I was just something special, you know. When you're 19, that's, all, that's what it's all about, how other people perceive you and how they look at you and that was my identity and I put my identity in these temporary things where in an instant, it was like in a month, they were both just taken from me and I, I didn't know who I was anymore. That was everything I built my life upon and they were both gone. So that whole semester, I would just drink to try and 
forget my problems again and just go out and, and try and meet someone who told me they loved me and accepted me again because I just felt like I was all by myself and nobody was there for me. I used to drink because you would get a buzz and you feel like happy for five minutes and all I wanted to do was feel happy for a little bit because I was so depressed. But then it just, as I drank more, it just made me more and more depressed and worse than I was before I started drinking. A lot of people didn't know how bad it was. I would put on like this fake smile in front of everybody and be stupid and make people laugh. But then behind closed doors, I was a mess, I was a wreck. When everything's going wrong, you just, that's all you see and you feel so hopeless and I'm stuck like with suicidal thoughts at night saying like, why even wake up in the morning? Like I just didn't want to. I was at a party one night and I hit a shot in beer pong. You know, it's like a game winning shot and everyone's laughing and going crazy and there was like this door right behind me that had glass windows on it. And uh, I turned around and I was just like, yeah! And I nailed it with my head and put my head through the window. And everyone was going crazy at the party and I was like, this is awesome. But then one of my friends like grabbed me and he's just like, Steve, your nose. I run home to my dorm room and I just get there and I look in the mirror and I just see blood all over my shirt, all over my face and I'm just looking at this person that's not me. I'm looking and I'm like, this is nothing of who I ever wanted to be. How have I become this? I remember just falling on the ground and just crying and I just said, God, if you're real, you gotta change me. You gotta, you gotta take this mess of a life and really just intervene because I don't know what to do anymore. And I just remember one night, um, I was just really depressed and I thought of my brother and how I knew he was reading his Bible and I just remember opening it and the first scripture I ever remember reading is Matthew 16, 26 and it's, it's Jesus talking and he says, what good is it for you to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? And in that moment, it just pierced straight through my heart like, I was blown away. I was like, man, Jesus' words could actually talk to me? Like, I thought this was just some ancient book, like, and it wouldn't be relevant to my life today. But I felt it in my heart, like his words just struck me. And I knew that I chased after everything the world told me I needed to be happy. I chased after the girl, popularity, friends, parties, all that stuff. And I lost who I wanted to be in the process. I became everything I never wanted to be as a person. So from that moment, I, I just kept reading Jesus' words. I was, just, I was just stuck on Jesus and I was just seeing what he said on how to live my life. And as I was reading over the next few months, I just became more and more miserable. I knew it was the truth that I was reading and I knew it was telling me the truth because it was exposing truth about my life. like my thought process was wrong of how I viewed girls or how I viewed friendships and everything like it totally transformed my whole way of thinking. I always painted this picture in my mom's mind like I was this little angel and never did anything wrong and uh, I would lie to her about how I lived and, and choices that I made and things that I would do and um, so we're sitting there playing cards one day and she just asked me questions about my life because she could see that I was just sad and messed up and uh, I just remember thinking you gotta tell her the truth and so I just, I didn't care anymore and I just told her everything that had been going on in my life and um, all of a sudden she just started crying. Seeing her cry, it just hit me that that's how God thinks of us. Like God, I believe God was crying over the decisions I made too. 
he tells us how to live because he knows the things in this world are not going to satisfy us and it just breaks his heart when we don't choose him and we choose everything else and um, from that moment I started feeling freedom because I knew that God accepted me no matter how far I had gone, no matter what I had done, no matter how many times I ignored him or just kicked him out of my life and did what I wanted to do, he was, he was there crying for me to come back and, and I'm so thankful that I did. I'm so thankful that he reached out to me. I'm a different person now because I trusted in him. Life, hope, and truth for Generation Now. This is Hashtag Gospel. Relevant, inspiring, and straight to the point. The gospel and what it means for us. What happens when we die? Most religions say essentially the same thing. You must earn your place in the afterlife. Just be good now, keep working, do it right, follow the rules, and something good will be waiting for you on the other side. Essentially, you are your own savior. You are responsible for your eternal destination. But God's plan is entirely different. Your place in the afterlife isn't about your performance on earth. It's about what Jesus did for you on the cross. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't, died in our place, and rose from the dead to defeat death and secure our power over it. So we can stop working to impress God. We can stop working just to be good enough. Our response is simply repentance of our sin, submission to a loving God, and dependence on the finished work of Jesus. Not to earn our spot in eternity, but because it's the fitting response to a God who gave us everything before we did anything at all. This is the gospel. Hashtag gospel. View each message as an amazing animated video at hashtaggospel.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G, gospel.com. It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short, single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. I'm intrigued with the story of the ultra-marathon man. It's a story of a man who decided to see how far he could run. He'd been a runner in high school. He was a little older now, had not uh, run for quite a while, and kind of got the itch one day and decided that he was going to do it again. And so he trained and he ran a 5K race. He testified later that it was really ugly. You know, he was afraid he was going to die. And then partway through the race, he was afraid he wasn't going to die, you know, and he's going to make it to the end. But he did it. And uh, then he caught the fever for real, and he worked up to a 10K race and then a full marathon. And then he heard about an event called the Western States 100. It was a 100-mile race. A 100 miles, not kilometers, not inches, whatever, it was 100 miles, and in order to run that race, to be able to enter, you had to prove that you could run 50 miles in less than nine hours. I can't, I can't imagine any of that, uh, to be honest with you, but after conquering those goals, he wasn't finished. He heard about a 200-mile relay race where every five miles the baton was passed to the next runner, and he decided to run that race all by himself. And he did it, and then he's become famous traveling uh, the world, running in these uh, high, you know, high uh, event kind of many, many, many miles kind of events, um, and uh, become famous doing that. 
You can question uh, this man's sanity, and I would be among the first in line to do that. But uh, imagine the discipline, the physical and mental toughness to endure that kind of punishing running. There's a different kind of marathon that concerns me. It is our race to carry out the high calling of God on our lives. And the Apostle Paul pleads with you and me to run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, distance running, I'm told, is all about pacing if your intention is to finish and to win. If your pace is too fast, there's a high likelihood that you won't finish. And if you run too slowly, then there's not much of a chance that you're going to win. It's all about pacing. Great runners work diligently to establish and increase their own individual absolute best pace. About uh, maybe 10 or 12 years ago now, I, I came to the realization that I'd been running too fast for a long time. I wasn't discouraged. I wasn't burned out. I I didn't think I was anyway. I loved God. I loved my family. I loved ministry. I had, I had visions and dreams of what God wanted to do through our fellowship and through my leadership. But I, I was just tired. I, was just, I just kind of hit the wall and I was worn out. And I, I realized that I wasn't running in a way that was establishing a sustainable pace. The ultramarathon man ran with a support van next to him. If he had misjudged his pace, if he hadn't had enough to eat or drink, he would take a time out. He'd crawl into the van and lie down, rest and recuperate. He would reflect on why he had allowed himself to get into that depleted condition. Then he would re-enter the race a little wiser and refreshed. When I look at Jesus, I find a man who recognized and embraced human limits. As far as we know, Jesus didn't perform any miracles the first 30 years of his life. His temptation in the wilderness was to cross the limits God placed around him. He, he limits himself in the midst of enormous need. He didn't heal every sick and demonized person. He didn't build a great church in Capernaum when he was begged to stay in that city. He didn't let everyone follow him. He told the man from Gadara to go home and show the great things God had done for him. When we think of Jesus, we usually picture him teaching, healing, or being accosted by hordes of sick or possessed who longed for his touch. But Jesus would just as often send people away or disappear without warning dismissing those in need with neither excuse nor explanation and retreat to a place of rest. If God needs time of introspection, how much more do we need it? We need times of reflection when we think about our lives, our priorities, our activities, our goals, our dreams, our ambitions, and our mission. And we allow God to comment on who we are and where we are going. Sabbath is more than the absence of work. It's not just a day off when we catch up on television or run errands. It's an opportunity to listen to what is most deeply beautiful, nourishing, and true. 
It is a part of the rhythm of life. We remember and observe Sabbath for two reasons. We need rest. We need reflection. We need times of worship. And, and we need redemption. We can't pay for our own sins. Jesus is our burden bearer. He has carried our sins and our sorrows. And we observe Sabbath as a sign of redemption. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. ESPN did a documentary about the former Rocky V actor and boxing star Tommy Morrison. As I mentioned earlier, he contracted HIV AIDS and was forced to retire in his prime. From there, he struggled with this harsh reality that his boxing career was over. For a time, he got better using the latest drugs, but he just couldn't let go of his boxing dream. After many years of depression and defeat, he convinced himself that he no longer had the virus. He stopped all of his meds and was determined to prove everyone wrong. Unfortunately, on September 1st, 2013, he died of AIDS. In the same way, we can often convince ourselves that our sins are not that serious. But Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, and 20, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Just like Tommy, we have a disease, but it's in our hearts. The Bible says, Romans 3:23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The cure for this sin disease is the humility to recognize that without Jesus we are weak, sickly, and dead in our sins. But with him we are saved from our sins and ultimately more than conquerors. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ with your heart, mind, and soul and live your life for him, why don't you think about doing that today? It can be as simple as saying a prayer and repenting or turning from your old life and asking God to give you a new life through Jesus Christ. He did it for me, he can do it for you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Come see us at thinktwicetv.com. Find original videos, true life stories, and content to help you grow your faith at thinktwicetv.com. This project is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association, revealing the love and power of God through media. MediaMessengers.org. If you like the show, follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at MMessengers, on Instagram at Media Messengers, or subscribe to our growing YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media Messengers. And please, please help us reach more people by sharing this podcast. Lastly, check the show notes for links and resources. God bless.